In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. People of God, people whose faith is in Christ Jesus, holding a newborn baby, holding a newborn baby. What a fantastic moment that is. Whenever we had that particular experience, as we're able to hold this baby, take a look at it, examine it carefully, just being filled with amazement at the miracle of life. Quite often asking ourselves, uh, little one, what are you going to experience in your life? Or little one, what will God accomplish through you? <clears throat> well, Sarah and Abraham held their little Isaac. God had promised Abraham that through one of their descendants, a child would be born who would be, bring a blessing and be a blessing to all peoples of the world. The parents of Moses held their newborn child, fearful that he was going to be killed by Pharaoh's armies and soldiers, not knowing that one of Pharaoh's own daughters would rescue their baby from the waters of the river, and that baby would eventually be the one that God used to rescue his people from their enemies and from slavery. Our Ruth and Naomi or Ruth and Boaz, watching as Naomi held, holds their little child, uh, not realizing that this little one uh, would be the grandfather of one of the greatest of all the kings, the shepherd king, David. And tonight we take a look at Elizabeth and, John, and Zachariah as they hold the newborn baby John. But instead of asking, what are you going to do? little one. God had already given them information about the future of this child. In fact, when we take a look at the scriptures, there's more information given about John the baptizer before his birth than any other child in scripture with the exception of Jesus. As Zachariah and Elizabeth <clears throat> held this little one in their hands, Instead of asking, little one, what will you do? They were able to say to John, little one, this is what you are going to do. This is what God is going to do for you. Because you see, God had already given a job description for John. And uh, we see that recorded in the gospel lesson Pastor Polzine read a few moments ago. And I'd like for you to join with reading me, uh, reading with me, aspects of this job description. And think about this job description as if you were looking at this little baby. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. You will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. You will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. You will return the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. You will make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. You will give knowledge of salvation to God's people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Not much to do, is there? Instead of receiving a birth announcement, he's given a job description. A job description. 
In other words, as they held their infant son in their hands, God had already told Elizabeth and Zechariah that John was going to be a mover and a shaker. He would be a major player in the history of the world. And so it wasn't surprising at all that some 30 years later, God's predictions became a reality. Because when God says something is going to happen, it will. And when John the baptizer burst upon the scene, he was the biggest thing to hit Israel for more than 400 years. And even though his ministry was only approximately two years in length, God accomplished tremendous things through him during that time. Tonight I'd like to focus upon one major aspect of the job description that God gave to John the baptizer. It's in regard to turning and returning. You will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. You will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. You will return the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. You will give knowledge of salvation to God's people in the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Turning and returning. St. John's Hospital in Joplin, Missouri, which is probably not named after the, uh, John the Baptizer, it was named after John the Disciple, uh, was an eight-story building, concrete, steel structure. Uh, I probably walked these halls thousands of times as I brought word and sacrament ministry to uh, parishioners and others who were hospitalized there. And uh, as I walked through those halls, it never entered in my mind that there would ever be anything strong enough to push that building around. Well, this is how the building looked on May the 22nd, 2011 at 6 o'clock. This is how it looked a few minutes later. A few minutes after a tornado, an F5 tornado came through, hit the, made a direct hit upon that hospital. And um, eventually, uh, the, the windows were shattered, interior walls were collapsing, uh, all kinds of parts of the building, inside and out, the helicopter was blown away and found uh, about a mile away. And uh, the hospital eventually was going to have to be torn down. Now, what's interesting is that the exterior and the interior of the hospital could be repaired could have been repaired. However, the problem was that when a tornado hit it, it shifted the building on its foundation. The building was no longer standing securely on its foundation. And so the entire building had to be torn down and destroyed. <clears throat> Imagine the amount of raw power that it would take to shift an eight-story concrete steel building of that size upon its foundation. Imagine how much power it would take to pick that hospital up and put it back on its proper foundation. You see, there was no human power that could possibly do that. 
And because there was no human power to possibly do that, the building had to be completely torn down. Now, the reason I bring this up is that we quite often hear about cultural shifts in our world today. There's a lot of conversation about how uh, our society has been moved off its foundations, and many people discourage and they say that there's no power that can ever bring it back uh, to its foundations. Cultural shifting, moving off of foundations is nothing new. Absolutely nothing new. As you take a reading through the Old Testament, especially look at the history of the Old Testament, you see over and over how it is demonstrated that sinful people always move themselves off the foundation of God's faithfulness. And what does God do? He always calls them back, trying over and over again to bring them back to set their lives upon the foundation of His love, His mercy, His faithfulness, His righteousness. And God continues to reach out to restore His people back to that foundation. And this is exactly what we see God doing through the ministry of John the Baptizer. God was pulling people back to their foundation, back to the faithfulness of God. And so God directed His power through John the Baptizer to begin a major shift back to the foundation that His people, that God's people had abandoned. And that major shift back to God happened as John proclaimed that God Himself was coming in person stepping into this broken world to repair what we can never repair. And so John called people to prepare the way of the Lord, to repent of their sins, to see how they had shifted their lives off of the foundation of His love and mercy. He called them to throw themselves upon the mercy of God because the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was right there in their midst right there in their midst, ready to complete the work of moving people back to the foundation of God. God Himself would accomplish it. God Himself would provide the sacrifice needed. God Himself would be the Lamb of God who would accomplish forgiveness that all people need. Forgiveness. When we often think about forgiveness, I think that for myself, I usually think of it as wiping the slate clean or uh, maybe erasing all the records of our sins that are written on a huge whiteboard or pushing the delete button on uh, files and files of our sins uh, that are overloaded. But there's another aspect to forgiveness in addition to cleansing. Not only does God clean us through His forgiveness, He also restores us. That means He returns us back to the foundation of life. He picks us up in His forgiveness, picks us up and sets us back down on the foundation, the solid foundation of His faithfulness and His love for us. That's the power of His forgiveness. That's the part of the power of His forgiveness. He doesn't just power wash all of our sins and debris off of us. He places again, places us again on a foundation to keep us out of the mud and mire of our sin. And he does that over 
and over and over again. As Elizabeth and Zachariah held their newborn baby in their hands, they were told to name him John. Because God promised that God himself was going to do history-shifting things through this little one to whom John would point. But it was always understood that John's real ministry was to prepare people for someone even greater than himself. Someone who would far overshadow John's accomplishment. John indeed was a child of hope, but his main purpose was to prepare the way for an even greater child. Hundreds of years ago, church leaders were trying to uh, figure out a way to give honor and recognition to John the baptizer and the ministry that he did. And so they decided they were going to set aside a particular day in the year uh, as a way to remember John and his ministry. And so they finally chose June 25th. June 25th as a day to remember St. John the baptizer. You see, June 25th is right after the summer solace. June 21st is usually the longest day in our northern hemisphere with the most hours and minutes of daylight. And after that day, the sunlight begins to decrease. June 25th was chosen for St. John the Baptizer because of John's declaration about himself. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. You see, God did history-shifting things through John the baptizer, but John always knew and acknowledged that Jesus was going to do far greater things that he could, than he could ever do. Jesus is the one who restores people back to that foundation through his forgiveness, which comes only in the faithful mercy of God's love for his people. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Especially if we are ready to prepare for the celebration of the birth of the child of hope in a time when our world is experiencing such shifts in foundations. Well, we can get upset, we can get angry, we can blame others for what they are doing. Or we can listen to the voice of the one who cries in the wildernesses of life. Calling us to personally repent, return to God, to be restored to the foundation of life that God has for us. And so the message of St. John the Baptizer, given 2,000 years ago, continues to be the one that I need to hear and heed today. To understand I am the person who has shifted my life off the real foundation. I am the person who has shifted my life off of God's love and forgiveness and mercy. I am one who needs somebody far greater than me to accomplish the task of picking me up and putting me back on that foundation of life. And then asking God the Holy Spirit to keep me on that foundation that will never collapse. And so people of God, people whose faith is in Christ Jesus, a child of hope, a 
child of hope, a child whose life pointed others to the one who was far greater than he, to the one who restores lives, who picks them up and places them again on the foundation of God's love and mercy. May we be those kind of people of hope, people who are turned and restored by the power of God, people who point others to the one whose forgiveness is also for them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.